Welcome to Cobb, Conversations on the Business of Brands with Sudeep Chavla and Sharvan Raghavan. Wow. And I'm saying wow, Sharon, because mm-hmm. I just read the topic of today's discussion that you put up. <laughs> And this is an interesting one. It says marketing side of sales. Right. Yeah, we have already done sales and marketing Hmm. and not sales versus marketing. Hmm. And now uh, we continue on a theme which is very dear to sales guys, which is infiltration. (laughs) So this is marketing infiltration onto sales side. (laughs) This is not the sales infiltration, by the way. I'm sure it is not. Hmm. Okay, but... I, I love the topic and I mm. think it is very relevant to talk about it to all the sales guys as well as marketing guys. And I also love the fact that you've chosen to talk about uh, the very basic yep. of that in this particular episode and left the rest of it possibly uh, to be covered in the second part of this episode. Yeah, I think the whole concept of marketing side of sales should be split into two mm. because one is a function of distribution and the mm. other is a function of driving sales at the point of sale. So I think we'll cover the distribution angle today and get to the driving pickup at the point of sale in in a follow-up episode to this. Excellent. Okay, let's do that. So I work with a lot of uh, emerging FMCG businesses, right? So in that, one common thread that I find is that the marketing team and the sales team are almost disconnected. Usually the founders are very keyed on to the marketing team or They say, I know what brand I'm building. I know how I want to go about it. And the sales team is largely in disconnect. I'll give you an example. I was working with this biscuit company where the the owner of the company had studied in the UK, had come come back to India. Uh, It's not a small company. It's about 250, 300 crore company. And they had invested heavily in imported machinery of German make and other different country makes and they were making the most premium of products premium of cookies and the sales had been stagnant for the last two years despite having launched six new innovations hmm. so this the whole brief for me was how can we grow we're investing so much into this we're making the best product and we're still not growing we're not able to get okay. distribution so going into the market I realized that the sales team has no idea how to go about selling the premium cookies that are being made by the marketing team. They're investing in branding. They're investing in the design. They're actually investing a lot into the product itself. It's a very good biscuit, a cookie. But the sales team has not been told how to sell it. So in conversation, I said, this is a premium cookie. This has to be placed in premium stores. And then I came on to this discovery, maybe uh, I was a little ignorant to this, that most FMCG businesses that I've worked with have a retail classification. What kind of stores do you supply to? For they have wholesale and they have retail. A lot of them say this store does wholesale and retail. (laughs) Basically, it's a retail store that gets wholesale prices. Yeah. (laughs) And there is this wonderful classification called ABC classification. (laughs) 
yeah there is there always is yes yeah so a are the top stores which sell premium products c are the panwalas and the low end kirana stores and b if you can't fit a store into a or c then it becomes b hmm there is no standard definition of what makes a what makes b what makes c and what my job as a salesman is in each of these stores hmm it is more internal out how much do they buy from us exactly so what was happening to this business was that the sales the sales team had largely come from the tobacco industry and they knew all the panwalas and the kirana stores in the area hmm. and they knew their payback capacity was 250 rupees for the week Hmm. So no matter what German innovation the company was launching, the salesman was sure he's going to build to this panwala for two fifty rupees a week. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so they were doing what we used to call as CRS, continuous replenishment system at panwalas. Exactly, I've seen this with quite a few companies. The hmm. sales team is asked to distribute without hmm. too much of a guidance on what kind of products they're doing. Hmm. I. uh i met with a company that sells nappies mm. like huggies and pampers mm. and the founder was worried about grocery store distribution mm it just didn't make sense so i said they were not even going after chemist stores mm because the distributor who they appointed wasn't a chemist distributor he knew the the grocery the grana guys better mm mm so what i've realized is that a lo- with this episode what founders and entrepreneurs and business owners in the consumer space can learn is that you need to identify the kind of stores your product must be in and there is also a hierarchy of saying what store what kind of a retail environment does my product have the best chance of selling through to the customer hmm fair fair and in fact sharan um you know in the past when we have spoken about you know uh, deciding uh, taking various critical decisions about your product or your service we always say that try to retrace consumer's journey mm. understand where would the consumer go etc and that could also be a great indication of what are the kind of stores that the consumer is likely to go to mm. and hence where should your brand be present in absolutely uh, and you know the what you call about is the you know the the period before the long queue hmm. is where when you supply to different kind of stores and you spoke about this in the last episode last to last episode where we spoke about setting up retail distribution general right. trade distribution hmm. and you said that sell into different kind of stores in your vicinity hmm. and then you know let the product do the talking uh, right. see what works what doesn't work etc a combination of these two will obviously you know help you uh, come up with the best possible choice of stores where you will sell the most and right. all kind of stores that you must be selling to absolutely in fact i think the best work that i've seen i'm sure there are others who've done great work the best work that i've seen happened to be at cadbury hmm yeah and i sh- i think we both should credit mr navin keswani and sunil sethi for doing this retail classification system hmm. within cadbury this was what hmm. 2008 Two thousand seven eight is when this this was yeah two thousand seven eight I think yeah two thousand eight uh, largely so I know you know this but I'm going to go through this for the listeners hmm. so because we were in the business of chocolates the sales leadership 
divided the stores that we were going to distribute our products to into different retail environments. Hmm. So when I say retail environments, they're formats of stores is a cruder way of saying it. But okay, let's go one by one. First were the standalone supermarkets. So these are basically self-service stores. They're supermarkets, but they were not part of the chain. Therefore, they were not part of modern trade. They were still serviced by the general trade or the traditional trade sales team. Two were the food stores. So these were big for Cadbury. Because these were stores like bakeries or confectionery stores which sold primarily food products. And you sold them there because why? Because Cadbury is a snack. The, be- the best chance it has of selling out is from a store where people are coming to buy food products. And that's where that's how, where you have the best chance to sell. Then you have grocery stores. Now even grocery stores weren't just generically called just groceries or kiranas. Even they were classified into two different kinds of stores. High-end grocers, they were labeled, I think back then, they were called stores which were which had the owner with at least two helpers and electronic or computerized billing. They were called the high-end grocers. And the low-end grocers were the smaller kirana stores, which had one person or two people from the same family running that store. And then came the chemists. These were the pharmacy chains or the pharmacy stores that we had to be distributed into. And then came the pan shops, which were the petty shops that we put our stocks into. Now, let me uh, ask you a question, Sudeep. If, if we had to choose back then as Cadbury to be available in only one of these retail environments, which one would, he, would we have chosen? I think, uh, so given the portfolio that we had in 2007-8, I would have possibly said low-end grocers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were numerous in numbers. We had small packs. Most of the portfolio was at uh, 1 rupee and 5 rupees. Mm-hmm. It would have given us the best possible chance of getting to all the consumers. Right. But later, when the portfolio evolved, we came up with significantly larger you know, pack size, more premium, premium products. Yeah. yeah. And hence, I think the, the relative uh, revenue of the company also would have uh, you know, shifted significantly from uh, low-end grocers or LEGs to HEGs and food stores. Right. So I forgot I was talking to a mass market ASM. Yes. <laughs> so uh, for the listeners in Cadbury, we had this classification of sales. We had two different sales teams. We had the mass sales team, which was what? Five rupees and below, below five rupees. Below five. Uh, largely is three rupees, two rupees, one rupee and 50 paisa. So that would be candy largely? And the- yeah, largely candy or candy candies uh, forms of larger chocolate. So two rupee gems, right? Two rupee five star, two rupee perk, three rupee Mister Pops, right? Uh, and uh, fifty paisa halls and one rupee Bobalu. Not even the five rupee dairy milk was part of it. Not even the five rupee. Dairy ah, milk. That okay. was the base business. Base business. So the base was anything above five, five and above was considered the base business. Yes. So the distribution itself was different depending on the SKU size. Correct. Why was that, Sudhi? Why was it important to have a distribution set up based on SKU size and therefore sell into different retail environments? Why was that important? Yeah, I think, uh, and it goes back to where you started from. And I remember this articulation that uh, our sales director uh, and, uh, uh, you know, customer marketing 
head mr keswani came up with at that point in time their mission was to make sales a science mm. and they wanted to get into selling which was far more scientific than accidental selling right and therefore their formula was uh, how do you make sales a science you decipher what a shopper needs you know and it's first started by saying who is shopper and mm. how is a shopper different from consumer right second part was what does a shopper need when they walk into a store hmm. and depending on that need we must make an sku available right and one of the clearest examples that i remember at that point in time we used to give and that was one of the markers of stores also mm-hmm. was that heg or high end grocers are stores from where you buy your monthly grocery hmm. and hence there it is where you will find multiple skus of 500 g and 1 kg bonvita <laughs> because that's a pantry sku the right. lady of the house buys it and keeps it and a leg is a top up store the low end grocer yeah low end grocers which is near your home where you quickly run and pick up something and take it back that is where you will find and you will sell your rupees 20 bonvita right yeah which is a top up if they you know happen to finish their quota of bonvita in the pantry hmm. so that kind of indicated to us that why do you need to sell hmm. different kind of skus in different retail environments right they also had this classification of products right must sell skus yeah mss yeah mss so yes. these were skus that had to be sold into specific stores correct and because they that's where they had the best chance of selling out you weren't correct. limited to them but these were the skus you must ensure distribution for in those specific stores correct so trip you've worked at cadbury and you also gone to pidelite this would vary by category right so the the importance of the channel or the retail environment would vary by category sometimes even within the category by the way the brand is positioned it would still vary i would possibly say that that it varies by category mm-hmm. um like you were earlier saying we were in chocolate so we were looking at chocolate consumers or confectionery consumers and what do they want to do right uh, for example in the category that i currently work with Uh, because we are selling to people who are il- either building their homes or renovating their homes mm-hmm. they have a particular mission when they walk into stores mm-hmm. yeah when we uh, let me give some examples we have building material stores bms stores mm-hmm. uh, these are stores that you know kind of stock an entire assortment of construction related material usually catering to new construction consumer mm-hmm. and the new construction consumers might be able to find everything from cement steel brick hmm. to you know smaller hardware items etc and their mission the shop keepers mission is to provide the entire range to the consumer hmm. and the consumer's mission is that i this is one stop shop for me hmm. yeah so that is where you possibly uh, deliver your entire portfolio then there are right. stores which we call as for example uh, tile and sanitary now these are stores which are specifically accessed by the consumer when it comes to the stages of bathroom right yeah uh, or wet areas kitchen mm. and uh, kitchen and bathroom mm. and that's where you make your kitchen and bathroom portfolio available right yeah although you could further go on and say that i will upsell cross sell to that consumer mm. but you exactly know why is the consumer walking into this store 
Okay. Yeah. Similarly, then you have paint and hardware stores. So you know the guy is walking in with a specific requirement. Hmm. Yeah. And hence you make that kind of a portfolio available there. So I agree to your first point where you said that uh, it varies by category mm-hmm. because the consumer is coming in to buy a category. Right. What he is getting in return is some kind of a brand. Mm. Right. Brand is the solution and the category is what he is seeking. Right. Right. And you would have also seen this in your various experiences, Sharon. Mm. Uh, so, for example, why don't you take the example of maybe a Cadbury where mm. you introduced us to uh, you know different retail environments mm-hmm. now if you were to if you were talking to the same consu- same client of yours right who was selling uh, baby uh, nappies pads. yeah yeah nappies so mm-hmm. for them the retail environments would be very different right absolutely so for for them what we did was we said if you look at the trend nappies and uh, sexual wellness products for the largest brands in the country sell about 70% online. Hmm. Okay. And while this brand was already present online, it wasn't really making too much of a cut through because it was expensive. Hmm. So because there was no recall, they had to spend to be visible in front of the customers when they're shopping. That is becoming expensive. So it makes sense for e-commerce for them when they are an established brand. The only mm. route to establishing themselves was GT. Mm. Mm. So we went about saying it, it's primarily the chemist channel first. Then what we did for them was we looked at baby stores. So like First Cry, like I, I don't recall a few other names, but First Cry mm. is what comes to mind. So yeah. m- mom and baby stores is what we yeah. Yeah. went Mom for. and me is another one of similar kind. I think mom and me has become First Cry, I think. Mahindra's right? Okay, yeah. yeah. So so we went after there's there's this chain of stores called Just Born. So, mm. so we classified them. They're not chemist stores, they are baby stores. Mm. They're baby mm. product stores. So we yeah. mapped it to them. Then we mapped it to self-service supermarkets. Mm. Because even more than high-end grocer, yeah, who today does a lot of phone deliveries, sitting there a bulky product voluminous is not the ideal place for them to not the best chance it's not like it will not sell from there it's not the best place to sell from hmm. so hmm. we had the chemist the baby shops and the self-service supermarkets the standalone supermarkets we classified these stores and we set up a distribution plan to go after these three specific retail environments and that has eased a lot of pressure because today they get 50 percent of the business from offline okay Okay. So that, because why I say GT eases pressure is because you control a lot of the margins in GT. And if you can pick the right channels, you're very sure about the kind of investments you want to make in those channels and what you want to get back out of it. Thank you for listening to Cobb. Conversations on the business of brands with Sudeep Chavla and Sharvana Raghavan. Subscribe and learn more at cobcast.net. That's C-O-B-B-C-A-S-T dot net. Let me put you on the spot. No, I have a question first. <laughs> okay. Because I am 
<laughs> I'm the one who is interviewing you today. Perfect. My question also was uh, on, was on similar lines, but I want to take the conversation further, Sharon. Mm-hmm. One part of retail environment is about choosing what to sell. Right. Depending on how you classify your shop. Absolutely. And you know maybe making prioritization etc. The second part of retail environment is also about its activation. Correct. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? So this activation, I think we'll need a whole episode for it. This is what we'll do in the second part of this. But how do you activate it? Now that your product is in the store, it does not mean you put one pack in the store and wait for it to sell out. You need to be visible to the customer. If it means you must pay to be visible to the customer or the shopper, you must pay to be visible to the shopper. Because if you if that visibility money does not justify your throughput, then the economics is somewhere really wrong. You need to be able to be visible to the customer. You don't have to do big advertising. You need to be available in the store. You need to be visible. And then you got to give incentive to the shopper to pick you up versus other options they have in the store. You're not going to be the only one in the store anyway. Especially mm-hmm. if you're a new brand. The established guys will have far greater stock weight. I remember when I was in Henkel, uh, we used to get equivalent was 2 is to 20 was Henkel, Henko is to surf. Okay. So you still had to pay for your visit. What visibility uh, surf would get by default of stock weight, mm. Henko had to pay for it. Mm. And that's the only way we could cut through to customers. Yeah. Whatever yeah. message you need to tell them, you need to tell them, you need to make sure it's audible to them. And for that, you've got to spend some money. You've got to spend, not just money, you've got to spend a lot of time and effort to make sure you're cracking it right on the shopper front. And that's what shopper science and shopper marketing comes into, which we'll get into next one. Yeah, I think in addition to that, like you said, one part of it is visibility. Mm-hmm. The second part of it is also understanding uh, why is the consumer there and therefore what can your communication on the shop right. aid them with. Right. And therefore... Depending on the category, one needs to put up communication that speaks to consumer and mm. their exact need state at that point in time. Exactly. Yeah. So we have this famous example, right, from uh, Walmart case study mm-hmm. of nappies and beer bottles. Ah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is just adjacencies. They they put beer beer uh, crates of beer next to nappy packs, and they realize. So what happened was. Walmart realized it was the men who were shopping for the nappies late at night when mm. they were there to do a nappy run on an emergency. So what Walmart did is they put the nappies or rather they put the beer cans next to where they place the nappies. Yeah. So when the men came to pick up nappies, they, they once they saw beer, they decided to pick up beer as well. And beer sales shot up really high. Correct. So another example of a personal example of this is when I was uh, in the US training with Walmart on category management this was 2000 again 2007 so we had henkel had a product called super order neutralizer very poorly named typical german style fantastic product Hmm. it was to remove order from homes the equivalent product from png was fibris so and nobody's heard of super order neutralizer (laughs) so in the store uh there was uh, the ratio of sale was 13 is to 1. So every okay. 13 pieces of Febreze, one supporter neutralizer would sell. So there was one store in Bentonville we were allowed to experiment. 
So we noticed a lot of pet uh, product buyers who are picking up Febreze. So we said, why not we put SON, super order neutralizer, next to the pet aisle. Mm. We put it there and you wouldn't believe in one week, the ratio from 13 is to 1 became 13 is to 7. Wow. And that's just adjacencies. Excellent. No, I lovely, Sharon. Thank you for sharing this. Um, I think it just shows the power of observation, hmm? power of treating uh, sales as a science, as a consequence to what the consumer needs, right. and then activating it in a scientific manner to really see exponential results. Right. So there's also looking at data, right? So when people say data analysis, you don't have to break your head. You don't have to be a technical guy. Mm. You just have to see who's buying what, what are they buying with, why are they wanting me, why sh where should I be present? So these are very commonsensical questions if you break it down to the core. Mm. And that is all you need to do. And that is a scientific part of it. Just say, asking why, 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 why. Mm. So I Excellent. bring it back to the question I was going to ask you. Yes. So there is this entrepreneur who reached out on LinkedIn who is selling popcorn and makna. Mm. And uh, he, his packs are priced between 60 and 70. And e-commerce is in big for him. Mm. What kind of stores? So I put you as the consultant here. Mm. So if he's starting GT distribution, mm. where must he start? See, if I were looking at this, I would first possibly try and understand from... Um, him or her, uh, what has been their experience from a consumer point of view during that product market fit phase? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, for example, are there uh, whoever is consuming their kamakhanas uh, uh, or popcorns, are they consuming it in individual one to one occasions inside home? Are they consuming on the go? Uh, or is it consumed while the guests are at home? Or is it a gifting uh, item? This is a new uh, this is a new business. And okay. they are, what they've seen is the product is really liked by customers and they buy again and again. Hmm. The repeats are very high. But popcorn has to be made at home. Ah, and, okay. and popcorn is what 80% of the business. Okay, so it is not a ready It's not ready to eat. Oh, okay. No, ready to make. So microwaved. Okay, so and had. Excellent. So popcorn is to be uh, made at home. Right. And it is premium to other options that are available. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay, excellent. Then I think then the clear focus is on number one, from a product point of view, they must be delivering some superior product experience. Right. Hence they are charging uh, premium. Mm -hmm. And then they are specifically targeting those occasions where you buy popcorn and eat it at home. Hmm. Now, largely those occasions would be occasions with friends, occasions with family, movie night, uh, right. some sort of a kids party at home, etc, etc. And hence, I think you should target those occasions in terms of where you place and how you place. Okay. Right. So for example, you earlier said there is, uh, there are food stores. Right. Yeah. Food stores was one of the, right. Yeah. Um, and then there are gift, no, not the gift stores, but the party supply stores, etc. Right. Yeah. Or uh, when guests come home, there are some kind of drinks, some kind of dips, some kind of crackers that you buy. Mm -hmm. So maybe placing this next to the next to them within these stores, either the self SAS mm -hmm. or you know, for example, in food stores, uh, 
would possibly give the consumers the best possible chance to mm. pick this up when they are picking up other essentials that are uh, needed for guest uh, occasions at home awesome so you say focus on food stores and focus on the gift and party stores and yeah, focus on the adjacencies and yeah and yeah yeah i like how you broke it down the process of taking the customer journey consumption occasion and therefore the purchase decision and where they're going to shop that's brilliant so i think we've largely covered what what we wanted to cover i have i wanted to just build on it and ask you one one last question that i had in my mind mm-hmm. now from a traditional trade point of view mm-hmm. uh we we see different kind of stores in the market correct it is fairly easy to spot what is a pan shop it is fairly easy to spot what is a stand alone store right it is also easy to spot maybe a gross uh, a food store which hmm. is a bakery kind yeah. of a store yeah uh the difference between high end grocers and low end grocers maybe is a little bit uh, not so clear yeah. and you will only be able to understand it once you do it yourself what kind of mm-hmm. you know purchases are the consumer making hmm. or what is the kind of skus they are stocking right this is all true for traditional trade mm-hmm. now if i if i were to use this science hmm. online hmm. yeah and online you have aggregators yes. who have all of this stocked right what part of it can i use there oh brilliant because this again goes down to the same uh breakdown that you did hmm. about where are they shopping why are they shopping how are they going to consume and therefore there are you could classify the digital channel for fmcg as mm. marketplaces mm. e grocers mm. and the quick commerce nice so marketplaces are where which is amazon flipkart where people have to order your product singularly or with the basket that they do this is where if you are a low value product if you are priced anywhere less than 200 the logistics is not viable for you that is why you would see a lot of gift packs and combo packs being promoted in the marketplaces hmm hmm e grocers which geomart i think slightly fading a little hmm big basket is there big basket was the pioneer in this space hmm. so what e grocers do for you is what the regular traditional trade does because fmcg is not a singular purchase it is a basket purchase mm, because mm. the logistics logistics are basketized then you do not have to worry about the singular unit economics of the logistics side of things mm-hmm. which is what big basket takes care of so you need to be clear of uh, when i say i'm selling on e-commerce am i selling on amazon most people do because amazon is very easy to list on it's very mm. automatic it's very systematic with everybody else you need human interaction which makes mm. it difficult so just being on amazon doesn't make you an e-commerce brand or make you an e-commerce business you need to differentiate between the two and e-grocers the problem that they have is the delivery time mm. and some people who are used to that are okay ordering it i ordered it the previous day i'm going to get it the next day some people are okay with it but it is becoming an adoption barrier for people to get into the e-grocer space mm. because the quick commerce cousin has come around mm. and quick commerce is uh, people are saying the economics doesn't work mm. but this is anecdotal information from what i've seen people who are shopping on e-commerce are so habituated to it they are mm. willing to pay for the convenience mm. 
so indians do not pay for time hmm but we pay for convenience hmm. we are lazy hmm so we are willing to pay for the convenience and the convenience isn't too big a charge as yet hmm this i am betting is going to be the bigger revolution in india of quick commerce delivery and especially in the fmcg sector when you talk e-commerce quick commerce is going to going to take away a chunk of the business within these three sectors okay and and what was surprising to me as talking to one of the entrepreneurs i had assumed like in a low end grocer who will do immediate delivery next to your store for top up hmm they were i thought their 250 500 gram sku's would be selling best a breakfast mm. brand mm. i was surprised to hear that even 4 and 5 kg packs sell on on quick commerce for seasoned buyers on who are buying on e-commerce on quick commerce mm. sorry mm. Mm. so the, you can see a shift in in purchase behavior mm. it might not be permanent it might not be the norm but the shift to quick commerce over e-grocer or the marketplaces is definitely happening sure and people will figure out the economics of it the the retailers there but as a brand owner or as an fmcg business you need to know what role each of these are going to play for you mm understood if if you are in the premium chocolate gifting business marketplaces are great because it's going to be viable for you yeah if you are in let's say nappies mm maybe all three are viable for you Hmm, but different but in, SKUs though. Different SKUs, absolutely. Hmm. But if you are in the popcorn business, like we spoke about, quick commerce hmm. is going to be a holy grail for e-commerce. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe later you can possibly think about some kind of a value-added gift pack of popcorns, which can be viable. Yes. On uh, marketplace. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. So interesting. And this whole thing is is an evolving scenario, right? So when we did uh, the retail classification at Cadbury, we only had the six we mentioned right the standalone supers food stores high end grocer low end grocer chemist and pan but very soon i think it also evolved into a, two more got added on one was mm. the gift shops that you mentioned mm. and the stationery shops mm mm-hmm. why because these also were great occasions to purchase chocolate yeah stationery shop kids come to buy yes mm. that's a great point of sale for chocolates there Hmm. gift shops you're already organizing for a party you're buying gifts buying chocolates is almost very natural there so these get added on as the company grows just that not all of it is required when you start the business you need to prioritize focus on one kind of retail environment and then build from there because i tell this to my clients you don't decide your competition so you can figure out your right to win how to win great but the biggest strategic decision you can make is where to play mm-hmm. because you can once you define the playground for yourself you only have to beat them in that playground you're choosing to fight them mm. that is where you have the best chance to win that's when you bite off exactly what you can chew sure now very well put you know i li- i like how you've brought it all together towards the end sharan excellent thank you thank you sharan this is a this is an excellent uh, uh, episode i think for sales as well as marketing guys Uh, and it is also an excellent uh, segue into possibly our next episode where we talk about shopper marketing i can't wait for that one because that is something <laughs> that i have uh, a bit of history on that one with talking to a lot of my clients excellent. so i'll pick it up on the next episode <laughs> let's do that okay thank you sharan thank you sudeep 
Thank you for listening to Cobb. Conversations on the business of brands with Sudeep Chavla and Sharvana Raghavan. Subscribe and learn more at cobcast.net. That's C-O-B-B-C-A-S-T dot net.